You are listening to the MJ Sportscast. Recapping the latest games, getting you up to date on the latest sports news, and providing our exciting Bay Area picks. This is the MJ Sportscast with your hosts, Mike Tang and Jerry Yang. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the unofficial home of the 3 and 5 49ers here. My <laughs> name is Mike Tang. I am joined by my co-host, Jerry. Jerry Yang, how are you doing today, man? Oh, to be honest, you're pretty tired because I went to the game yesterday. So it was a pretty long day. Um, not sure when's the last time you went to a game, Mike, but the whole experience can be kind of exhausting, especially after a loss. But it was fun. I... Got in early, did some tailgating, met some of the other fans that were, uh, you know, tailgating as well. It's like a pretty friendly, homely environment. Like my friend and I were setting up our uh, canopy between the two of us. Mm-hmm. Um, these two other nine fans just jumped in and helped us, you know, and it wasn't anything where we had to ask around whatever. People were just very, saw us struggle a little bit and came in and helped, you know. So it's, uh, it's a great environment, you know, great environment, great atmosphere. And then once you're in the stadium, like I forget how big that stadium is sometimes. Once you run it, walk in, you're just like, wow, like, this is a like, big deal, right? It felt like a very big game, very big event, um, even though it's uh, just a regular season game. But it was, uh, it was fun. It was fun. Definitely recommend anyone to go check out the game, even if they lose. You know, you'll still have a good time with whoever you go with. So. Did it feel bigger than your experience going to Candlestick when it was still open? Yeah, yeah, I did because mainly because the stadium and Candlestick is like so logistically tough to get to. You know? Like it's just there's so much going on um, and so spread out. Like the parking lot isn't as um, structured like it is uh, with Levi's. Levi's, you have your lot, different lots have people together and things like that. At Candlestick, you have your parking lot that's right in front of the stadium and then around it, you have to go to like the bar station and there's no public transit, no, nothing really around there, right? And it's, um, it can be not as fun at times. I think um, definitely a better feeling, I guess, when you, uh, when you're at Levi's with tailgating. But the actual stadium itself, I think it's, it's there's definitely a special feel to candlestick i would say right because yeah. we won the championships and um and the giants were playing there before so you do see some of the baseball like billboard in the past they used to have it in the walkway where you actually walk in so you kind of see like wow this is scoreboard is like very historical you know because it's involved with a lot of uh you know, games of past with the Giants. Um, and then now you're about to watch Niners game where, you know, history was made there as well. So there's definitely that feel to it when you walk in the candlestick that you don't get with Levi's yet because we haven't won, like, a championship there or Super Bowls are won there, but not by the Niners, right? Yeah. <laughs> Whereas candlestick is, like, the AFC championship game or NFC championship games have been won a lot there, you know. So we have won one win there from the past history at Levi's for the championship games. But other than that, it's like, you know, that wasn't special because we lost the Super Bowl, right? (laughs) Yeah. 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 You make some really good points. Um, Yeah. I used to go to Giants baseball games at Candlestick Park too. And it's always had that homey feel for me. 
mm. as opposed to, you know, going to Levi's or even going to uh, Oracle Park. But, uh, you know, Oracle Park has had its World Series, you know, titles um, won by those uh, Giants teams here. And the Niners have yet to kind of accomplish much, you know, in the new Levi Stadium era. And uh, in the short term, they've been losing, you know, quite a lot of home games the past couple of seasons. I don't think they've won a home game um, in maybe a year, or maybe yeah. maybe a little bit more than that. Well, the last time was that NFC Championship game with the Packers, but I yeah. think before that was even longer, right? I think we have a like a zero and twelve home home streak in the regular season, so that. It's unfortunate. I mean, you're supposed to have the advantage at home, but this team just plays better on the road for some reason. And kind of surprising. <laughs> yeah, let's kind of chat about last or yesterday's game here. The final outcome was 31-17. If you were at the game or if you were watching on TV, it felt like more of a blowout than than what the score really indicated there. At one point during the first half, we were down 17 nothing. Um, to the Cardinals, led by, you know, the legend, the man, the man, the myth, the legend, Colt McCoy. You know, under center for the for the Cardinals here. The revenge game, right, for <laughs> Colt McCoy, former Niner, <laughs> Colt McCoy. But you know, you were at the game, Jerry. Did it look as bad, you know, watching it live than what I saw on TV yesterday oh. afternoon? It looked worse, to be honest with you. <laughs> Mainly because you see a lot of misdirections. It just felt, I don't know, on defense, he just felt like James Conner is such a stud, right? You thought Derrick Henry was out there, and Cole McCoy just looked like Tom Brady out there. <laughs> and then on the offensive side, there's so many plays where you kind of see the offensive line game beat, right? Like left and right, and Jimmy G missing on some reads, right? Like his field of vision on the field is definitely off. You know, there was a few times where I'm like, Sanu's open or Ayuk's open, and he would just go for Debo, right? I think it was a little bit better than most games where he's trying to go for Kittle as well, and you kind of feel the impact of having Kittle there. But there's a lot of missed opportunities that Jimmy G missed out on. And being there, you kind of see that a lot more because the camera's not panning away, right? <laughs> You're able to see the field and be like, oh, look, there's these guys open, you know, and and kind of um, read it without the pressure. Like obviously Jimmy G's under pressure, so maybe he missed these reads. But you know, as a fan, you can kind of kind of see it there. Especially the angle I had, I was right behind the end zone, so I had that feel the vision once they're going the opposite direction. You can mm -hmm. kind of see some of the players as well. So, so yeah, it looked worse. I think uh, we're in trouble here, Mike. I mean, how are you feeling? Like. <laughs> Is it time to panic yet, you think? I think it's really time to semi-panic. The thing is, is that um, we're still in it, you know, for the for the wild card race. We're just kind of giving this team a little bit of hope, right? Um, I think the 49ers, they kind of let their guard down, knowing that DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray were being out of the game. Mm -hmm. As Also, in addition, was uh, A.J. Green was out. Uh, Chase Edmonds was out of this game right. here. So basically we're playing against like third and, you know, third and second stringers. B squad. Yeah, the um, B squad. <laughs> and Shanahan said in the post-game press conference that his team looked great in practice, but you kind of have to wonder if this team was really ready to play uh, come game time um, here because their defensive um, secondary looked pretty bad out there in terms of tackling, in terms of their field of vision. Mm -hmm. um, there were maybe some good plays by Nick Bosa, 
by Eric Armstead. But this team is not good enough there where we can just give away the ball, right? And you saw all those fumbles. Uh, first was by George Kittle in the first quarter. Brandon Ayuk had a pretty critical fumble um, late in the second quarter, which kind of turned the game around, I think, um, here. And this team is just – they're just not spectacular enough to make mistakes like that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, turnovers have been a problem this season. Penalties as well, right? Like that Josh Norman penalty. I'm not sure if this guy, like, averages, like, two penalties a game at this point, what his value is compared to just playing Lenore out there. You know, I know Lenore probably doesn't have the talent as Norman, but at least we can get him reps and get him better, you know? So I think, like you said, fundamentally, I think third downs have been a problem. Like, we're not able to get third down stops. Um, people continue to run down the middle on us. I mean, James mm-hmm. Conner had one of his best games. Even when he was with the Pittsburgh Steelers, he was not as good as he was mm-hmm. yesterday. And, you know, like guys like Cole McCoy are tearing us up, right? Like Justin Fields has had his best game against the Niners. So definitely not a strength of the team anymore. I think back in the past, this was a strength of the team with defense. Um, now it's like, we're probably, I would say, the bottom half of the league in terms of our defense, and their offense is probably middle of the road. I think Jimmy G actually looked okay, right? Like, Jimmy G didn't look too bad. I think that last interception was pretty bad. But I think every situation where we put Jimmy G in where he has to score to keep us in it or help us win a game, it's always resulted in, like, an interception or some kind of drive-killing play, right? So it's... It's unfortunate. I think that's where the X factor of Jimmy G is not there, you know, and hopefully Trey Lance will be there for it. But the best have their best game in their last drive, you know, like Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Wessel Wilson. It's a last drive that counts and last game, last drive that count that wins games, you know, so yeah. um, we're just not there yet. Yeah. It just looks like Jimmy Garoppolo has plateaued as a quarterback, right? In this yeah. league here and it felt like he kind of peaked when he came on to the 49ers and won like I believe five in a row yeah um, when he came on here and he looked great and he got that big contract right away right after four or five games with the 49ers here so he got paid Um, but he he hasn't improved at all during his time with the 49ers Mm. Um, it could be because of injuries it could be because of performance um, here but this year, there's no excuse, right? You have like all the weapons that you can possibly have, especially in this game. Um, you're not really injured. You're not on the injury report, so you you got to do something out there. And he hasn't he hasn't really been doing anything, right? Especially um, this game where Kittle back, and even though we don't have Mostert, I would say Elijah Mitchell is like pretty pretty good, right? He's a yeah. good stop gap in place of. Moster. I think there's a lot of talks about not re-signing Moster because we have Mitchell out there. So I agree with you. He has his weapons out there. Ayuk uh, is still, I think, has the talent. Um, despite that fumble, he did make a really amazing catch. You know, and I think um, credit to the Cardinals secondary and the Cardinals players on defense. They made plays. They made big plays. And I think the Niners just weren't able to do the same. And that was the biggest difference in the game there. So yeah. So yeah. <laughs> One more thing to add here in the second, or I think it was a third quarter, the 49ers made a third and long stop against the Cardinals. 
um, here. And then there was some uh, jawing back and forth between Josh Norman yeah. and also the Arizona head coach. And then all of a sudden you see Josh Norman kind of getting at it with an uh, Cardinal offensive player too. Did you see that whole thing, you know, develop in front of your eyes, especially being at the stadium, because watching it on TV, you kind of, you can't really get a sense of what the heck was going on um, during those chain of events. No, it was actually more confusing when you're live because you, you notice a big stoppage in play. And you're wondering what's going on. Then you kind of see a little bit of a strappling going on. Maybe it's the angle that I had, but it wasn't very obvious what was happening. I think what was unusual is when the play actually came back, it was first and 27. Yeah. So you took away the yards, but you gave them a first down. It was That was really strange. I don't think I've ever seen that call happen ever, right, in, in NFL. So... So that was really confusing. You don't get additional information from being there. Right? If anything, I think we were more confused <laughs> than probably the viewers at home. At least you have the benefit of commentary talking about it, replaying um, somewhat what happened. I did watch that clip later, and it sounds like there was a lot of talking that was happening back and forth with Norman and and um, the coach there. So it's uh, – yeah, I mean, it looks very undisciplined, right? And I think that was the last point I was to make that the team just doesn't look very motivated um, and they don't look very disciplined at all. It looks like a team that just doesn't have it together, you know, to be honest with you. I think that's a bigger problem than we can talk about defensive deficiencies, we can talk about offensive deficiencies, but if you're not motivated as a team to play and you're not organized and not professional and disciplined, I think they're going to lose games a lot, you know, a lot of games, no matter if you have the talent or not, or have those lucky breaks. It's, um, yeah, it's unfortunate. So I think, I don't know if that's on the coach, right? Kyle Shanahan, not motivating guys, or is it maybe losing Sala too? Sala was a big motivator. You know, he was a big rah-rah guy. And maybe we just don't have that presence on the coaching staff anymore to, Raw raw these guys back up, you know. But so do you think it's a D'Amico Ryan's issue at this point here? I or? don't think so. I honestly don't think so because I think D'Amico Ryan has been better in his defensive play calling. I think it's the execution that's not there from the players. And I think the blame could be on Ryan for not being a raw guy, but you promoted this guy knowing that, right? That he's right. not solid. <laughs> he's not a guy that's going to get you pumped up and fist pump on the sideline. <laughs> So you accepted that, and now I think guys aren't aren't as moving or not as pumped up when they make a play. And I think there was a big play um, that happened with one of the defensive guys, but unfortunately there was always a penalty that comes with it, you know. And that's that that can demoralize you, you know. It seems very, very, very simple and very little thing that happened, but you know when you're a team that needs every little thing to get you going. That, that could be a big deal. I think it was from Armstead, right? Like in Armstead, there was a very ticky-tack call um, when he got a third down sack that I think that deflated the team a little bit, you know? And I know the fans were deflated because we're like, what's going on here, you know? And that yeah. one James Conner run where it was like third and 20-something yards and he ended up getting the first down, that was deflating as well, you know? So there was like a lot of plays, I think, in the first half, and especially in the third quarter, that really deflated this team, and we just never seemed like we were motivated to get back into it once once those those type of penalties happened. So, 
I think the one pass to James Conner was a screen pass over to the right side of the field. Yeah. And then he kind of just ran diagonally across the whole <laughs> yeah. field. And then right. no, he didn't even get touched by a 49er defender. Yeah. I thought that was the epiphany of the whole season right there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that lack of motivation that you're referring to, you know, James Conner is not a fast guy, but you made him look like a Hall of Fame player with three touchdowns and over 160, yeah. 170 yards, um, you know, total yards. That's that's unacceptable um, here. I know. And credit to the Cardinals' offensive line for blocking as well, right? I mean, that that play doesn't happen unless there was good blocking up front as well. So I think it's a combination of the two things. And you're playing against one of the best offensive lines out there and one of the worst defensive lines being beat left and right. So that's the result that happens. So. Yeah. So what do you think is the next thing that the 49ers can do to improve their team here? We talked about... D'Amico Ryans. Um, it looks like he's going to stay. Um, we've talked about Jed York and also Kyle Shanahan. Not Jed York. Um, Lynch. John Lynch. Lynch. Yeah, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. The thing is, is that they have long-term contracts, and I don't think right. they're going to be let go and be the scapegoat um, here. What do you? Who do you think is going to be the scapegoat coming out of this? Because someone needs to be blamed. Usually in the NFL, someone has to be blamed, right? And usually the head coach is not going to fire himself from, <laughs> from the team. Um, do you think there's a player or maybe someone in the yep. coaching staff that could be elevated or can be removed from the team? I think the scapegoat since the beginning of the season has been Jimmy G, right? Mm. I mean, he's been put in this position to be the scapegoat. That's why they got Trey Lance out there. Um, you know, like the season doesn't go well. Guess what, Jimmy? See, we made the right choice, right? <laughs> so I think they've already set themselves up for a scapegoat, knowing that this season was probably not going to be one of their best, or potentially not going to be one of the best seasons. And they drafted a quarterback to, to kind of say, "Hey, look, we didn't get rid of Jimmy because he was to blame here, but we have a backup plan with Lance. So stick with us for a couple more years." Let's see if Trey Lance can get it done. You know, I think after that, that's where the blame is going to be put back on Shanahan and Lynch, right? If Lance doesn't work out. But I think this season definitely is Jimmy G's escape road, hands down. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a lame duck quarterback at this point, right? Yeah. It's like that's... a uh, manager, it's like a major league baseball manager um, managing his last season without an extension. You know, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You can kind of see the writing on the wall. And unless you win the World Series or unless you win the whole thing, you're probably not going to be back with the team again. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know. It's so sad, too, because I, I think a lot of people liked Jimmy G when he first came in here, right? Like, he, he, we saw the potential. He was probably one of the better quarterbacks we've seen in the last uh, five years um, after Kaepernick, you know? So it's like, it was unfortunate it worked out this way. <laughs> Let's kind of move on to Major League Baseball here. Um, you know, the World Series has concluded. So that means, uh, you know, teams can kind of talk about, you know, who they're going to pick up in terms of free agency, who they're going to keep, who they're going to offer arbitration um, with. But Buster Posey decided, I believe, a day or two after the World Series concluded, he's going to retire from the game of baseball um, at the age of 32 or 33. Here, still fairly young. Um, if you look at his statistics, he has a career batting average of 302. 
here. Mm. He has 1,500 hits, 158 career home runs, and 729 runs batted in. What was your initial reaction when you heard the news? Oh, sadness. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I was really, really sad because I, I, it's the end of an era. You know, I think he's one of them, one of, if not the favorite player I've had in the last few years, you know, active players at least, right? He's always been that rock. And, you know, I think we missed him last year when he didn't play. You know, it was the impact was definitely felt. We had Joey Bart out there and Casali out there, and it just wasn't the same, you know. <laughs> and then when he came back this last season, it was like he still has it. You know, he's still got, he got that year's rest and, now he's ready to win some more championships with us, you know. But yeah, you know, I, I don't blame him. He his accolades speak for themselves, you know. He accomplished a lot, three World Series and multiple awards and things like that. So I just don't know if it's enough to get him in the Hall of Fame, but I in my mind, he's a Hall of Fame player, you know. So we'll see how it happens. You know, that voting for baseball is pretty stingy. <laughs> But, you know, in my mind, I think he's, he gave us a lot of good memories. And I, I'm happy that he decided to retire. And hopefully we see more of him in terms of coaching or broadcasting or some other sorts, right? But but definitely a whole without him, you know. So hopefully we, you know, get guys like Chris Bryan back. Now that would free freed up some cash. But, you know, we'll see what happens there. Yeah, that can definitely open up the Chris Bryant possibility right of coming back mm -hmm. to the team again um here and um, i'm sure we're going to dissect his hall of fame candidacy um <laughs> quite a lot you know for the next few years you know he has five years left right to be to be eligible, to be eligible. Yeah. but uh just some of his credentials seven-time all-star three-time world champion um national league mvp in 2012 national league rookie of the year in 2010 he won a gold glove four-time silver slugger winner two times Defensive Player of the Year award here. Uh, he was Comeback Player of the Year twice mm -hmm. during his time with the Giants, won the batting champion uh, once here in 2012 here. And I think the most miraculous part of his career was after he um, suffered that that uh, mm -hmm. season-ending injury in 2011, if everyone remembers, Scott Cousins um, yep. kind of Slid ran down. into him mm -hmm. um, at home plate. He broke his fibula. He tore three ligaments from his ankle. And then he still came back that next season and won the 2012 National League MVP award um, yeah. there. And I thought that was um, kind of a true sense of who Buster Posey was and the kind of player that he is here. And I really hope that the new writers out there, you know, they can kind of see the impact that he made on the field during his 13-year career with the Giants and – I think he will get in, to be honest with you, the more I think about it. But only time will tell. You change your stance on that because I think we talked in the past. You didn't think Posey had enough, right? But maybe this last season convinced you? or Yeah, I mean, I think like when you look at someone's Hall of Fame candidacy, you can kind of go back and forth sometimes on it. Here, it's never really like... Um, it's Yeah, it's <laughs> never really a black and white situation. As, and as time goes on, you know, you can kind of, you could change your stance and you can change your information about a player here. And I think, you know, after seeing his body of work, after seeing his last season, I think that Posey has done enough to make an impact in this game. And you can ask yourself, was he one of the best catchers during his time 
during that 10 to 13 year period? And I think it's a big time. Yes. Right. When it comes yeah. down to it. So what do you, what do you think? Do you think he's in no, the hall? Absolutely agree with you. Right. Cause I think, you know, what else he have left to prove, right. His batting average is 304 in a career, you know, 158 home runs, RBI 729. You know, and all those comeback awards, I think that's the part that makes me think that he'll get in. Is he's showing the heart, right? The heart to win, the heart to come back. And, yeah, like you said, the broken fibula, and he was able to come back. That's where he won his first comeback award. And this last week, last season, he won a comeback award again for taking a year off to work on family and all that stuff, right? So it's, uh, it's amazing that he's constantly able to come back and, I just like his drive, you know, his work ethic I've heard uh, from read multiple articles have been, you know, second to none. He's like a really hard worker, never ever been really outspoken and you know, a guy in the media that's bashing everybody is not that type of personality, right? He's like very professional, very humble, right? The way he talks is very humble. You never see him saying he's the best. I don't think he's ever under those words, you know. So so very respectable, you know. I think he's Compared to a lot of other players out there, I think he's a definitely a high character personality. So, so yeah, I hope he gets in through that. And you know, the Buster Hug, the signature Buster Hug, will be missed. You know, when we win World Series or championship games, there's always that Buster Hug at the end with the pitcher. You know, it goes yeah. to show how many times he's been in that last inning situation and close out a series, right? So, yeah, you can't really discount all the no hitters. He has caught mm -hmm. um, here all the postseason games that he has caught, um, and he's caught like sixty. I think of like sixty postseason games, and about wow. a quarter of them have been shutouts. You know that's an impressive Crazy. stat by itself um, there. So hopefully the voters can kind of look at the whole package, not just on career stats, right? When yeah. electing to um, vote for him in the Hall of Fame. So what do you think replaces Posey now? Is it Castelli? Is it Patrick ba Bailey? You know, do you think uh, Joey Barr has another chance to come back? Well, um, Farhan said it's it's Joey Barr time, right? Ooh, so, that's what he Bar said. Time. That is what that's what Farhan said, right? So I'm just it. gonna take his word for it. But you know, they re-signed Casali, and Casali is a good uh, you know defensive catcher. Um, there, yeah. the pitchers know him, so I think he's going to be pretty solid. But knowing he struggles the Giants, at the plate, though, yeah, right? yeah, he's a, a you know he strikes yeah. out quite a lot, right? And he's like mm -hmm. that kind of bottom of the lineup hitter who hits yeah. like eighth, you know, before the pitcher. <laughs> he's that type. He's just that type of yep. hitter, right? So the Giants are going to be looking at free agency pretty hard. Um, this yeah, season. yeah. So the I good mean, thing about Posey retiring this early is that it gives the Giants time. To look for I was about to catcher. say that, yeah. We'll actually have salary freed up and they know they actually have money to play with now, right? So that's a good part of it. And we do have like Brandon Crawford that plays short that normally is a bad hitter, but Crawford's a pretty good hitter, you know. So at least if our worst hitter is the pitcher, not just a shortstop and pitcher, I, I think we'll be okay too in the lineup. So. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure we will definitely talk more about the catcher position as the off-season moves along here, but uh, mm -hmm. let's talk about our picks for the week. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we have two picks. Uh, let's pick the Niner game first. So mm -hmm. early lines, obviously, so this could move as we progress. Um, so the LA Rams 
coming in town facing the Niners. Uh, the spread actually moved a lot. I think it was before it was announced that McGlinchey, I think, tore his bicep um, or quad or something. He tore something. I don't, I'm trying to remember what it was. But McGlinchey's probably out for this game. They were probably going to start Jalen Moore in, in that position. Yeah. But the line moved from Niners being favored minus three to now Niners being home underdogs at plus four. So Niners plus four at home. Over under stayed relatively the same, but it moved as well from 45.59, or sorry, 45.5 to 49.5. And typically, over unders for football is around the 50 mark. So I think originally they were thinking it's going to be a lower scoring game, and now they just moved it back to the medium, right? Or the mean um, yeah. at this point. So it's, yeah. a, it's a coin flip essentially on over under. So who do you have, Mike? You know, as bad as the 49ers played um, this past Sunday, I think they're going to improve, mm-hmm. right? And I think they will bounce back a little bit um, from losing to the Cardinals here. But at the same time, I don't really see them beating the Rams because I just think the Rams are a much superior team at this point here. They have a much better offense. Uh, they, they just acquired Von Miller. Right. And I think they're going to be very motivated to beat the 49ers here, especially knowing um, the 49ers have dominated the Rams the past couple of seasons. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're looking, they're looking for blood here. So I think the Rams are going to come out and play pretty well, but I don't think it's going to be a blowout. So I think I'm going to pick the Rams here and I'm going to pick the under at 49.5. What about you? Yeah, yeah, no, I, that's a interesting perspective there. So I think, uh, you know, I think a lot of people will probably agree with you, right? That it's probably going to be the Rams minus four. And that's why the line moved so much because I think that so yeah. many people are pouring money into the Rams that moved the line by a whole seven points. You know, that's a huge, huge shift, right? I think the line moved a lot when Kyler was out as well, favoring, you know, the Niners because it's a huge deal as well. Mm-hmm. I just think it's oversold, you know? I feel like we're coming off a loss so a lot of people are seeing things static exactly the same but yeah. when you go to a new game it's any given sunday and i think Niners will be more motivated i think it was just like a rough start to the last game and you know i think they'll clean some of the stuff up kiddo will be one week healthier as well you know like he's coming back he's back for like two weeks now when this game happens so I think it's oversold a little bit, right? Like a lot of people are buying too much into the Rams. So I'm going to go with the Niners home underdog at Niners plus four. And over under, you know, they've been hitting the over a lot these days. <laughs> you know, like I think this last game, I think it hit the over as well, um, despite us not being able to score. So, so I'll go with the over. Go take a chance over at 49 and a half. All right, you still have faith, it looks like, man. Still have faith. I think, you know, the Mivay ownage by Kyle Shanahan's real, man. So I'm going to bank on that for this pick. So, you know, and we've always done well against Cooper Cup for some reason. Like, that guy's been a beast all season. But for some reason, with the Niners, this never never gets it done, you know. So I don't know if we have the same talent pool to stop him. But, hey, I'll take my chances there. <laughs> okay. All right, next game is tonight's game with the Warriors. So the Atlanta Hawks are coming to town to face the Warriors at home. The line is a little bit more, you know, on par with what it should be, which is minus three and a half favorites for the Warriors. Mm-hmm. And the over-under is twenty-two or 222.5. Um, this is actually really high over-under. 
Uh, most games are actually around the 200 mark, 210. Um, but I think the biggest uh, over-under of the day is actually this game. So who do you have, Mike? I'll pick the over-under first. I think it's going to go under for a couple of reasons here. The Warriors are coming off a back end of a back-to-back. Mm -hmm. So I think offensively, they're going to be a little tired from playing last night. And the Hawks, you know, they're traveling, right, Um, from the East Coast to the West Coast um, here. So they may be a little lackluster. So I think it might be a little bit more of a defensive effort, um, at least in the first half. And um, I think the offense will slowly um, come back up in the third quarter or so. Um, here, but the Warriors are they're rolling right now, and uh, for the most part, they're healthy, and they're getting Iguodala back. He rested last night um, here, so he should be ready to play um, for that second unit. And I just think the Warriors will come out and and play against the Hawks. You know, I think they always look forward to playing against Trey Young and company. So yeah. I'm going to pick the Warriors. Um, I think they're going to been win a, by five or six points in this game, going with the under. Awesome, awesome. Is there any word on James Wiseman coming back anytime soon? I've been seeing any news on that lately, but yeah, I think he's I think he's uh, about clear to practice pretty soon here, but uh, I don't think he's going to be playing this week. Yeah, he won't play this week. Okay, cool, cool, cool. All right, so I agree with you on the over under. Um, what's interesting is though lately the Warriors have been hitting the under a lot more than the over. Um, yeah. So it kind of surprises me a little bit that this line's so high. You know, I think. I think that's the only reason it's based on the line that would take the over. Um, but all the things you said, said made sense, you know, like traveling on the road and back-to-back games. So, you know, it might be kind of a sucker bet on this one, or a sucker pick, right? I'll mm-hmm. just say 222.5 under. Okay, we'll agree with you on that one. And yeah, I don't know the words can be stopped, you know. Um, minus three and a half, I think they're not giving as much points, um, mainly because it's a back-to-back. But yeah, the Warriors are are hot. <laughs> you know, like you, you can't you can't really go against the Warriors these days. So I'm gonna take the Warriors with with the points as well. So all right, all very right. good. Well, that concludes a very special Monday afternoon episode here of the MJ Sportscast. Do we have anything else to add? Any concluding yeah. thoughts? I would say uh, one thing we didn't get to is Crawford got his fourth uh, gold glove. So congratulations to Crawford. Guy continues to be a beast. You know, like that's that's awesome. And yeah, I hope uh, from the Warriors' perspective, guys like Kuminga and Moody can start working themselves in a rotation a little bit more. I think there was some garbage minutes from Kuminga in the last game, right? But you know, hopefully yeah. those guys are developing and coming along. It's great to at least see them on the stat sheet sometimes, you know. <laughs> like even for like a little bit, you're kinda of like, okay, at least they're they're thinking about these guys, you know. So yeah, I like how I like good. how Kerr and the coaching staff are easing them in to yeah. the rotation as opposed to last year inserting James Wiseman into the starting <laughs> lineup. Here we go with a good yeah. cross, Wiseman. <laughs> so, so it's good. I, I think they have the luxury to not have to do that, right, with how deep the positions are that they play. So uh, whereas center, we're a little bit thin on center, you know, with Looney being there, it's kind of like, yeah. well, at least we have uh, Belika. Um, at least he's there now. So we might be able to ease in Wiseman as well. Um, yeah, so yeah, definitely. Can't I'm wait. curious to see them uh, play against some better competition um, in December. But right now they have the easiest schedule 
um, in the NBA, and yeah, I think they have the best record in the NBA so far. So. <laughs> it's too early to count it, but yeah, I agree with you. I think this game is going to be tougher, right? I mean, the Hawks have been okay, right? Or they're four and six, but I, you know, it's not a pushover team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they made it to the conf- they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, right? Last yeah, year, exactly. So. Well, the Nets are coming in, or we're going to Brooklyn for the Nets on the 16th, right? I think that's going to be our first, one of our first biggest competitions. And then after that, we have the Sun, the Clippers and the Suns, you know? So I think that's going to be definitely something to watch out for. But yeah, overall, like you said, still a pretty light schedule until the end of the yeah. year, probably. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's good. Good for us, you know? So. <laughs> definitely. Well, that concludes this week's show. Everyone, see you next week. Take care. Thank you for listening to the MJ Sportscast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at the MJ Sportscast at Mike408 at Mind of Jerry11. Tune in next week for another exciting episode.